Welcome to the Buford Sermons Podcast, where we care about the things you care about. For more information or to donate to this ministry, please visit www.fbcbuford.org. Amen, church. If you serve a God that's worthy to be praised this morning, can you put your hands together? Amen. Amen. If you'll please take your seats and open your Bibles to the book of Romans this morning. Pastor Jared will be preaching from chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, as we look at what our mission is as believers. Romans 1:14 reads like this. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, written, the righteous will live by faith. May God add a blessing to all the hearers and doers of his word. Well, we are in a series entitled Mission Matters, and both last week and today, we're recognizing international missionaries as we introduce new mission partners to you and new opportunities for you both to give and go on mission. Last week, Pastor Stephen shared an amazing message from uh, Psalm 96 on the essence of our mission, what is our mission, and this week, we're going to be talking about the urgency of the mission, the urgency of the mission. Now, I said this in first service, and, and I really mean it, that, you know, um, when it comes to urgency of the mission and sacrifice and going on mission, I feel very ill-equipped uh, in the same room with folks that are literally giving up their entire lives to go and to uh, share the gospel in the Amazon jungle. Obviously, I feel very ill-equipped However, the great thing is that we have in common is the Word of God. And the Word of God is eternal, and it is irrelevant of our experience. And hopefully you know that we never seek to teach you from our experience. We never seek to derive truth only from our experience, but also and primarily from the Word of God. And so that's where we're going to go today as our authority. So in the passage that Luther just read, we see an urgency... In the Apostle Paul, he says that he is eager to preach the gospel in Rome. Now, why is he eager to do that? Well, he tells us in verse 14, because he is obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks. And when he says this, he means everybody, both to Greeks and non-Greeks. Translation, I'm obligated to share the gospel with everybody. Paul says that not only is he interested in sharing the gospel, but he is obligated to share the gospel. Because, in verse 17, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I want you to notice that Paul does not say that the gospel contains the power of God. It doesn't say that the gospel uh, holds the power of God. Or that the gospel imparts the power of God. It says that it is the power of God. In Colossians 1, there's a similar reference that says that all the fullness came to dwell in Jesus Christ. Meaning there is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. 
So we see that we must have an urgency to share the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross and rose again to provide a way for sinful humans to have a relationship with him. But in order to have urgency, you must believe a couple of things. You must believe that the gospel, again, is the power of God that brings salvation. And secondly, that everyone needs to be saved. So you say that's kind of an elementary truth. Well, it may be elementary. Uh, It may not be elementary to some, but it may be elementary to some of you. But the fact is that sometimes we got to go back to the fundamentals, right? Because sometimes we don't always live out the fundamentals. So let's unpack this idea of urgency a little bit this morning. And the first reason that we should have an urgency to share the gospel is that people are separated. People are separated. A common question around the gospel is this. What about people who never hear about the gospel of Jesus? What about folks that uh, have never heard about Jesus? Are they held as guilty of their sin? Are they guilty of sin? If they don't even know what sin means, if they don't even know what the term is, and if they've never heard the name Jesus, can they really be held responsible for their sin? Well, in Romans 1.18, we're given an answer, and it says that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. This passage makes it clear that all people are without excuse when it comes to sin because God's existence and his attributes are made clear just by seeing his creation. In theology, this is referred to as general revelation. So the person who is in the middle of nowhere and has never heard the name Jesus can still clearly see the attributes of God in his creation. Now what's ironic and and kind of funny is that it may be clear to the person in the middle of nowhere that God is seen in creation, but often not to civilized, educated Western people. Millions upon millions of people today would say that the complexity of creation actually reveals complete and total accident and chance and isn't creation at all. Yet what I found funny is I was reading through some articles in preparation for this message today and there's an article uh, in The Atlantic from 2015 and it's an atheist psychologist that wrote it. And he's basically saying that if you believe in God, then you're basing your life on faith. And if you believe in uh, the evolutionary origin of the universe, Big Bang, what have you, then you're relying on science, which, of course, is complete nonsense. Uh, However, uh, they're both faiths, to be honest with you. They're both faiths. Uh, But he goes on to say this. I'm getting off track here. He goes on to say this in the article. He says, we are naturally prone to infer intelligent design when we see complex structure, which makes creationism more appealing than natural selection. We are intuitive dualists, and so the idea of an immaterial soul just makes sense, or at least more sense than the notion that our minds are the products of our physical brains. Now, of course, this writer goes on to say that this natural tendency to 
uh, infer intelligent design when we see a complex structure is false and that he has chosen to believe science because science is fact and uh, Christianity is faith. But I would ask this writer this question. Why is it that our natural tendency is to assume a creator? He says we are naturally prone to infer intelligent design when we see complex structure, but why are we prone to think that? Well, possibly because as created beings in the image of God, we ourselves create things, don't we? Now, we don't create like God creates. God creates uh, out of nothing. He creates out of nothing. He doesn't need a substrate in order to, to create something new. He doesn't need something old in order to create something new. He just creates out of nothing. But we can create new things out of old things. We create art and music and technology and tools, and that's true of every human being. It doesn't matter if you have an iPhone in your hand and you can see that for yourself, or whether you go to the Amazon jungle and they're using different types of contraptions that maybe, that maybe traps that they have created, or uh, to, to gather food, or spears, or uh, fishing poles, or whatever it is that they use. All cultures across the world create technology and tools that they can use to make their lives better. We are, by nature, creators of things. God has given us that ability. And so, because of our nature as creators ourselves, when we look at something created we know that there's a creator behind it. And when we look at his creation, we know. When we look at God's handiwork, we know that there's a creator behind that. I didn't see the origin of the universe, and I can't see God physically, but I could see his creation, and it stirs in me a wonder and an awe that drives my faith in the creator. Now, this is only the beginning of faith, as we'll see in a moment. But, you know, I've... Um, I've taken up running recently, and I mean very recently, like three weeks I've been running. And, <clears throat> you know, I do it because, you know, uh, you can look to be in shape and be really out of shape. And people always tell me I look like I'm in shape, but I promise you I'm really out of shape. So I said, you know, I, I need to do something. So I've started running some here and there. And uh, I don't know people that enjoy running. I think y'all need a CAT scan, but... Um, <laughs> But I'm doing it because I feel like I should. So, um, you know, Nicole, actually, Nicole told me that, uh, my wife told me that I have to run for like a whole month before I have permission to buy running shoes. And so I'm trying to build up to that threshold. You know, I just, I think it's really cool if I'm going to go to all this trouble. I need some of those running shoes like you wouldn't wear anywhere else. You know, the gaudy ones with like highlighter yellow on them so that cars can see you coming and all that. Um, I just feel like that's a badge of honor that I really want. So I'm almost there. But I tell you that because on this running route that I have kind of uh, constructed for myself, well, I didn't construct it, I didn't build a road, but you know what I mean. I, dr I run up to the top of this hill in my neighborhood and I turn around and sometimes I'll take a break and I'll just pause the run tracker and uh, if I've had a tough day or I've, it's just been hard, like there, I, my mind's going everywhere, I pause the run tracker, turn the podcast off or whatever I'm doing, and I'll just stand there and just look around and be thankful for creation because I really believe we can encounter God through his creation. We can see God in his creation.
that sounds weird because I'm not saying that you can, uh, that being in creation is a replacement for church or uh, Christian fellowship or anything like that. But the truth is, when we see God's creation, we're in awe, we're in wonder of him. So God not only reveals himself to all people through his creation, but he also reveals himself through his law that is written on every person's heart. In Romans 2:14, Paul says, "Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them." So what this is saying is that every single person in every single culture on every single continent has the law of God written on their hearts. Now, mind you, not with specificity. Not they they wouldn't know that it's they wouldn't know the Ten Commandments. Uh, they might not even could articulate it to you, but it's there. Also, they don't always. Uh, I'm not saying that they abide by it, but the Scripture tells us that the law of God is written on people's hearts. For example. You know, one of the most odd positions to hold, in my opinion, and I'm not, I'm not being hateful toward anybody. Please know my heart. But the fact is, is that the most weird position for a person to hold is an atheist that passionately believes in human rights or morality. I mean, if everything happened by chance, we're all here by accident, and we got to where we are by natural selection or the strong eating the weak, then what possible basis would anybody have for human rights or morality? It's an odd belief, isn't it? Human rights are clearly a Judeo-Christian ideal of all people being made in the image of God. The only reason why I really should value you and your rights is because you are made in the image of God just like I am. And therefore, you have inherent worth in your life. So if there is no God, then really, why does it matter? And folks will say, well, uh, it's... uh, you know, morality is, human rights is about doing the most good for the most people. So does that mean that you get to oppress the minority? That doesn't make any sense. And conversely, what even is good to start with? You say, do the most good for the most people. Well, what is good? And they might reply, well, good is whatever is good for you. You do what's good for you. I do what's good for me. We each determine our own good. It's all relative. So then I would ask, well, was Hitler good? He thought what he was doing was good. Are you saying that there is an absolute truth, there is an absolute good, and we can absolutely, without question, say that what Hitler did was absolutely wrong and sinful? If you think that, then you're drawing from a belief in God, even if you don't want to. Now, I went through all of that just to explain this. The law of God is written on the heart of every person. And even in people who choose to disobey and reject God, that law is still written on their heart. And it's what causes people to hold weird positions of saying, I'm rejecting God, but I believe in a morality. Now you might say, well, if the law is written on everyone's hearts, then why doesn't everyone know God? Because Romans 3.23 tells us that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So you see... There's nobody in the world who is guilt-free. There is no person on the planet who will be absolved of their sin apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God's general revelation through his creation and his law that is written on our hearts, all people are guilty of rebelling against him. 
there is an urgency in sharing the gospel because people are separated, but there's also an urgency in sharing the gospel because people are searching. Now, those of you who are familiar with scripture, you may say, hold on a minute, that's not right, but let me define my terms. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have together become worthless, there is no one who does good, not even one. So, if I'm saying that all people are searching, but the scripture just said that all people are not searching, then what am I saying? Well, what I'm saying is that all people are searching for meaning and significance, but no one in their nature is seeking to find that significance in the God of the Bible. In our sinful nature, we are not seeking after God, but we are seeking after fulfillment and meaning for our lives. For example, a 2021 Lifeway research poll found that 81% of people agree with this statement, that everyone has an ultimate purpose and plan for their life. And 57% said that they ponder, at least monthly, the question, how can I find more meaning and purpose in my life? So if 81% of people believe that every person has an ultimate purpose and plan for their lives, then that means that 81% of people are searching for the ultimate plan and purpose for their lives. So people are searching for purpose and meaning, but Romans 3.10 makes it clear that we're not naturally looking for the true God. Because of our sinful nature instituted when Adam and Eve first broke the law of God, we are looking to satisfy that longing for meaning and purpose within ourselves. But we find that we make terrible gods. In other words, we're all searching for meaning and purpose, but we want to find that meaning and purpose in things that we ourselves can control. We're searching for meaning and purpose in having enough money in our bank account to feel secure. We're searching for meaning and purpose through fame or status or position. We're searching for meaning and purpose even through good things like family and relationships. Those all things are, I heard a pastor one time say, those are all good servants but bad masters. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, what was it that Satan told them they should do? He said, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will do what? You will be like God. That's what sin is. It's seeking to be like God. It's seeking to set ourselves up as our own gods. And the problem with searching for meaning and purpose apart from Jesus is that we set ourselves up as our own gods and we find that we're not very benevolent. We set ourselves up as our own gods and we find that we're not that powerful. We're not at all powerful, actually. And so all we find is disappointment. And all we find is lostness. So if humanity is searching for real purpose, but will never innately search for the true God, then how do people ever get to God? If we're all searching for purpose and meaning, but in our natural state we cannot pursue God, then how do we get to Him? Well, John 6, 44 says that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. So according to Jesus, no one can find the true God unless the Father draws them by the Holy Spirit. So how do we find God? Well, we really don't. 
he finds us. He pursues us, even to the point of death on a cross. So you say, what, what does that feel like when God draws you? What does that feel like when God draws you by the Holy Spirit? And frankly, you know it when you experience it, but the best way I know how to explain it is it's just, it's sort of like an intense longing to trust God like you've never felt before. In one moment, you know information, and the next moment, it becomes a real experience to you. When I trusted in Jesus, I knew, not everything, but I knew the gospel. For a couple of years before I trusted Jesus, even though I was very young when I trusted Jesus, I knew all the information about Jesus at an extremely young age. But when God drew me by his Holy Spirit and someone shared the gospel with me, it became a reality in my life. He was no longer, Jesus was no longer a Lord, he was my Lord. And that's what made it different. So the scriptures are clear that people may search for purpose, but they will never find or submit to the true God until he pursues them. But there's a beautiful scripture that goes along with this one in John 12 and 32, and it says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So Jesus is saying, when he is crucified, he is paying the price for all people. He's paying the price for all people and people groups. And it's very important that we read John 12 in light of John chapter 6 or we'll get a wrong view of the gospel. Jesus is not saying that all people will be saved. He is saying that all people will be drawn at some point. Therefore, it's a person's responsibility to simply respond by exercising the faith that he gives us to trust Christ alone for salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that God not only provides salvation and not only pursues us, but he actually even gives us the faith that's necessary to trust in him. It's all from him. There's no part of us that contributes anything to our salvation. The only thing we must do is exercise the faith that he gives us when the Holy Spirit draws us to say, yes, Lord, I want to give my life to you. So you might ask, if God both made the way for salvation and draws people to salvation, then why is it important that we share our faith? I mean, if it's all up to God anyway, and he's the one that pursues, and he's the one that draws, and he's the one that provides salvation, then what are we even worried about? What's our role in this process? Well, the third thing is this. People are sent. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In other words, if the goal is for folks to call on the name of the Lord and be saved, then here's the progression. Someone must preach the word to them, preach the gospel to them, so that they might hear the gospel, and in hearing the gospel, they might believe the gospel, and in believing the gospel, they might call on the name of the Lord. Romans ten seventeen says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So why do we go? Why do we share our, salva- our, our, our faith? Because God is the author of salvation. He is the sustainer of salvation. He is the initiator of salvation. 
but we have been given the charge of being messengers of salvation. A person cannot be saved unless they hear the good news of Jesus Christ and respond in faith. And that's why it's imperative that we share our faith both with our neighbors and the nations. Let's go back to our original passage for just a moment. Do you remember how Paul said that he, was gonna, he, he really was eager to go to Rome and he really wanted to go to Rome? Well, the reason for that is that he had never been to Rome. He didn't himself start the church. At, well, I guess I can't say he'd never been to Rome, but in his missionary journeys, he did not start the church at Rome. See, at that time, he had never been there. And yet, in verse number 8 of the same chapter, he says this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. See, people all over the world were marveling at the faith of the church in Rome. And yet, there was no one with a title there. There was no clergy there. There were no apostles to our knowledge it was just people who passionately loved Jesus, sharing their faith in Christ, and it spread like wildfire. This was not the pastor doing the work. This was not the deacon doing the work. This was not prominent person doing the work. These were everyday people. Well, well that sounds bad. Listen, we're all everyday people. Don't get me wrong. But my point is that a lot of times people want to Put the mission off on people with titles. Oh, well, that, you know, I don't have to go share my faith because the pastor will go share with them. The pastor will do that. The deacon will do that. The servant will do that. But God's called us all to share. There is no title of exclusive evangelist. We've all been called to share our faith. And that's what was happening in the church at Rome. Now, you might say, well, I would share my faith, but I don't know enough about the Bible or theology I don't know anything. And my response to that would be, um, have you ever read the book of Romans? They didn't really know very much either. Paul had to explain pretty much everything to them in this letter. And yet it says that the world was marveling at their faith because they were the world's greatest scholars. No. They were simply serving. Doing what God had told them to do. To make disciples. That's why the world was marveling at their faith. They had a lot to learn, but it didn't stop them from sharing. So if this is you, you believe, as we've said, that uh, salvation only comes from God. But you don't know where to begin in sharing your faith. I want you to start by doing two things. Now, there's a million ways you could share your faith. There's a million different conversations. There's a million different situations in which you could share your faith. But two things will help you a whole lot. Number one... Write out your own testimony. Just a paragraph. Say, just talk a little bit about what, you were, what it was like before you trusted in Jesus. Tell them how you came to faith in Jesus. And then tell them how life's been different since you trusted in Jesus. Really simple. Just write that out and be able to say it without pulling it out of your pocket and reading it to them, right? Just be able to share your testimony. So that's number one. But number two, and more importantly... Memorize one scripture. You say, I don't know any scripture. That's okay. Hopefully you'll learn more than this, but start out here. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. 
If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, if you can memorize this verse and be able to explain what it means, then you can share the gospel with anybody. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, if you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he's not just some Lord out there, he's not just the king of the universe, he is your personal king. And you are submitting your life to him in every way, shape, or form. He's now the Lord of your life. You've died to yourself. You've come to new life in him. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. In other words, you believe everything the Bible says about Jesus. That he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose again. That he is the son of God. That there's no way to God apart from him. That only through him can people be saved. If you can memorize this verse and be able to explain it simply, just like that, then you can share the gospel with anybody. So start there. Now, I just want to tell you a quick story that kind of brings all this together. And uh, I have a limited number of these type of stories because um, I have not given my life like Scotty and Jadison have to going across the ocean and sharing with people. I'm sure they have many stories like this, and I only have a couple, but... I do want to tell you this because it's such a formative part of my life and because it illustrates what we've talked about this morning really well. So in 2014, I went to Zimbabwe for two weeks on a mission trip with four other pastors, and each of us was preaching a revival in a different village. The, uh, uh, a car would drop us off, um, and we would just kind of be there all day, and then the car would come pick us up at the end of the day. We were preaching revival there in the villages, and we were going and doing door-to-door evangelism during the day, and it was such a fruitful time. I mean, there were people getting saved all over the place, not because we were there. We were simply doing some training in how to share your faith door-to-door, and then we would go with these folks, but these folks would do most of the sharing, and so they were uh, sharing, and people were coming to faith, and then the best part is these people were getting plugged into this local church and becoming and being discipled. And so it was kind of a sustainable thing, and it was exciting. But the last day that we were there, our guide wanted to, we'd been in a, in a town called Bulawayo, and he wanted to take us out into the wilderness and see some of the more native-type lifestyles. And so we took off, and the thing you need to know is that we had a translator with us that was given to us based on the region that we were in, in Zimbabwe, and because they speak a particular language in this one region, but the rest of Zimbabwe speaks a totally different language. So the guide told us when we took off, he said, now you need to understand that we're going to drive in this direction, but we probably will not be able to communicate very well with the people we come across because they speak a different language. Our translator said, yeah, I might, could just, I might be able to like eke out a few things to let them know like why we're here and uh, what we're doing, but as far as like going into depth with them, I'm probably not going to be able to do that. So we're like, okay, and we were kind of viewing this more of like a touristy thing, I guess, which is kind of bad, I guess, but that's what we were doing. So we take off and we're driving, and uh, we just drive for a couple of hours, I guess, and we keep passing by all these villages and things. You can see them off in the distance from the main road, and there's nothing for miles and miles and miles. We're just in the middle of nowhere. And you can see these villages off to the side. We just keep passing by them. And the leader of our group, he said, no, let's just keep going. And everyone we would pass, he'd say, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. 
And to the point where I was like, are we ever going to stop? I'm not sure that we're ever going to stop. We're just going to keep going. But finally, after a couple of hours, he finally was like, let's go to that one. And so we turned down this gravel, was not even really a road, it was kind of just like a, a path. And we're driving down this path, and we come across these two huts, and we all get out, and there's nobody there, seemingly. Except these four kids run out from behind the hut here in just a minute. They come up to us and all this. And, um, but we don't see any adults. So finally we hear somebody hollering. 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 I don't know. Sorry. But we walk over, and we look down in this hole, and there's a lady that's about 10 feet down in the ground. And she's got this giant smile on her face. And she crawls up out of this on a, on a homemade ladder that she had made. And it turns out, first of all, that to our incredible surprise, she actually spoke the language of our translator. Now, there's no reason at all for us to assume that that would be the case. Very rare for somebody in that area to speak uh, the, the other language. So that was miracle number one. But then the second thing we learned is that when we came across her, she had recently lost her husband. She had recently lost her. It was either her son or her daughter and her son or daughter-in-law. They had all died. And so she was caring for her four grandchildren by herself. And uh, when we came across her, she was down in that hole because she was digging a new toilet for their family. So anyway, she invites us into uh, her hut and we begin to share the gospel with her and as the gospel shared with her I can just kind of I'm watching her and I can see that her her face is lighting up and she's beginning like almost relief that I begin to see on her face and anyway it comes time to issue the call to salvation and they ask her would you like to trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord and she says absolutely I would. And so she prays to receive Christ. I've never felt the presence of God anywhere else like I felt it in that hut that day. But after it was over and she prayed to receive Christ, she told us this, and really this is the whole reason I was telling you the story to start with. She, um, amen. Uh, She told us, she said, you know, all my life I've known that there are is a God because you just look around and you can see that there's a God. General revelation. I promise you I did not make this story up for this message. She said, I've known there's a God my whole life. But after everything that's happened to me, I um, about two years ago I started praying every night that God would send somebody to tell me how I can go to heaven. And I'll never forget that because it just felt like the Spirit of God just washed over me in that moment because it's like the Lord was speaking to me and saying, this is what it looks like for me to pursue a person, them to respond in faith, seek me, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And then me reaching out and sending the most unlikely of people to share the gospel so that they can hear, believe, and call upon the name of the Lord. So what does all that mean? Well, it just means this. 
there's nobody anywhere that's innocent of sin. And there's nobody anywhere that can go to heaven apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's nobody anywhere that God can't and won't reach. I don't know how he reaches all the people that respond in faith. I don't know. And I wouldn't presume to tell you. I'm sure there are some fantastical things. There are some miracles that people could tell me and people could come up here and tell you about experiences that they've had that I don't have a clue about. But here's what I do know. When God draws a person, they respond in faith, He will reach them. He will. Now, I don't tell you this to give you some kind of a skewed vision. I don't want you to come away from this and say, well, the only way for me to be faithful is to go across the ocean and reach people that don't have anything. That may be the case. Maybe God is calling you to that. I'm not sure. But what I really want us to come away with today is the fact that the person that lives next door to you, that does really well financially, that seems to be a good person, but doesn't know Jesus, needs Christ every bit as much as this lady did. There are people all around us that need Jesus. And if we're not looking at them through the eyes of Christ... And we're not willing to step out of our comfort zone and share the good news of Jesus with them, then I'm sorry to say, and I'm saying it to myself, but if we're unwilling to share with them, then we're just hypocrites. Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for us, and we can't suffer through a little bit of nervousness and possible embarrassment to give life giving news to them. We've got people in our midst this morning that are giving their lives to go and to share the gospel in the middle of nowhere. But I want you to know something. Our church has been really blessed by God over the last couple of years. It's really been incredible to see. It's been incredible to be a part of. I'm honored. I'm thankful. But I'm just going to tell you the same thing that I tell myself all the time. If we get caught up in what looks like success but we fail to live out our purpose by taking on the personal responsibility of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with our friends and neighbors, then that blessing may be removed. The degree to which we as a church body are willing to share our faith is the degree to which we will see God's blessing. So... I guess the moral of the message is let's not be hypocrites. Let's reflect on what Christ has done for us. Let's see people through the eyes of God. Let's recognize that if someone is apart from Jesus Christ, they are lost and without hope. They're separated. And it's our job to communicate the message, but it's not our job to save them. Yeah. Let's do that. You may be in the room this morning and you say, well, I can't share my faith because I don't have a faith. I want you to know that Jesus died for you. He rose again. And he is offering free gift of salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I know what the draw of the Holy Spirit feels like because I'm feeling it right now. I've known for a long time who Jesus is, but I've never actually given my life to him. Well, there's an opportunity to do that this morning. Here in just a moment, Pastor Wayne will be in the lobby I'll be down front after the service is over. 
Come find me. Come find Pastor Chad, Wayne. You may have a friend that you know is a really strong believer. You go talk to them. And say, I want to know more about giving my life to Jesus. And for the rest of us, hey, let's just lean into the urgency of the mission. Let's just lean into it and allow God to use us in a special way. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have one final song of worship. So you stand as we pray and sing. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you've given us a mission to complete. But we also thank you that the mission is not Salvation is not dependent upon us. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves and there's nothing that we can do to save others, but we have been charged with being messengers. And so, Lord, as we seek to do your will and as we seek to be a faithful church that lives out the call that you've placed in our lives, would you encourage our hearts as we do so? Be with us during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you have been blessed and challenged by this message. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want to know more about how to follow Jesus, please check us out at fbcbuford.org.